What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Have you ever had the feeling of being watched? Hidden eyes following you? A cold chill crawling up your spine? The hairs on the back of your neck standing straight up? Do you know what that is? It's fear. It's fear. Fear is the most basic human emotion tied into our instinct to survive. Fear gives us the means to overcome great odds or cripple us with paralyzing dread. But fear can also entertain. Turn off all the lights, lock your closet door, and ignore the sounds from beneath your bed. It's time for Two Guys Talking Horror. Horror and science fiction when done right, can depict some bone-chilling scenarios. Take the fears of a person, a community, or even a species, and add the words, what if? Well, that's just the perfect recipe for pure terror. A beloved subgenre of horror and sci-fi is the outbreak, viral, end-of-the-world story. And while here in reality it's not the end times, it does feel like a truly grim tale that has changed the world as we know it. What's the best defense on combating the growing fear of isolation? Sharing our experiences surviving in a COVID-19 world with two guys talking horror. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, to another edition of Two Guys Talking Horror. I am your host, Nicholas J. Hearn, and with me... Your co-host, Jason Contini. Jason, how's this self-isolation treating you? Actually, I'm one of the few people, I think, who uh, is actually kind of enjoying it. <laughs> people like you and I, I mean, we've kind of been planning for this this kind of self-isolation and distancing and all that our whole lives so we're this is true we're kind of equipped in some aspects and that doesn't mean that there hasn't been stress and hardships on on probably both of our ends certainly on mine. Right. but um yeah actually I'm, I'm kind of holding up all things considered i mean as scary as it is and and yourself I cannot complain. Well, I can't. There's a lot of things I could complain about. Well, where, sure, both of us. Where could, this yeah. is all concerned, but I'm safe. I'm healthy. More importantly, my wife is safe and she is healthy. My dog is safe and healthy mm-hmm. and a pain in the butt, but that's how <laughs> the dog is. Right. But we will dive more into how we are doing during this self isolation right after a little bit of housekeeping. The Curious Goods Podcast. For any of you fans of the old television show Friday the 13th, the series, do I got a treat for you. I and uh, one of my fellow podcasters, Mike Wilkerson, have been taking 
the old show, which you can't stream anywhere. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. It's wow. not on Amazon Prime. It's nowhere. Wow. So you pretty much have to get the DVD or... Right. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, you have to own the DVDs. So we've been re-watching this old show and reviewing it uh, in, in a humorous way. We'd actually retell the story for those who can't watch the episode so that uh, they get an idea of what happened in the actual episode. Uh, and then we go and we talk about three things that we liked about the episode and three things that we didn't quite like about the episode. And then we uh, we give it our little rating. So basically, since it is not available on streaming, and if you don't own the DVD, this is a perfect way to kind of get your curious goods fill, is what you're saying. You kind of, in a sense through you guys can watch the show or listen to the right. show. Yeah. We give you the feel of the episode, especially if you're an old fan of it and you remember the episodes, if you can't watch it and we do the retelling, you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. Now, of course, if you've never seen it before, we do give a damn humorous interpretation of the events of said episode. Hmm. So you'll never feel like you don't know what's going on. And the great thing about it is there is a devoted following so if you want to be a part of a show that goes back and digs up a dead television series that's over 30 years old that you can't find anywhere else and want to interact with a community of horror fans that absolutely love the property that we're talking about, check out the Curious Goods podcast. There'll be a link in the show notes to this episode so you can check out all the episodes. My Big Fat Pull List Podcast. Now, Jason, I'm about to do something that uh, could get our superhero cards taken away. Uh-oh. I, 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 wondering, I was wondering if you were going here. <laughs> I am going to reveal our secret identities. Ah, yes, but only to those listeners of this show. This is true. And, you know, if you're listening to this show, you've got great taste. So we trust you. Not to go out, go around and spread right. the secret of our secret identities. Right. Jason and I have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, film and video production-wise and podcast-wise. And another one of the podcasts that we do is called My Big Fat Pull List, which is essentially a melting pot of comic book-based pop culture geekery. Yeah. There's you as... Dr. Impact. There's me as the mysterious Mr. X. We also have fellow podcasters, the lovable Smurfy and the uh, salty wrestler turned podcaster Pistol Danger. Then we have a rotating uh, cast of uh, guest hosts. That's right. That come in and fill us in on part of the the geek world that uh, we don't necessarily may uh, actually focus on. Right. And it's a little bit of everything. Comic books. Television series, movies, video games, Legos, collectibles, pops, NECA, stuff. I mean, it's really anything and everything that kind of falls under the umbrella of pop culture. I mean, we've even done horror-themed episodes over there. Not not a whole lot, but we've done a couple, uh, yeah. especially if it, if it pertains to horror comics or, or what have you. I, I love how you said that, a melting pot of, of pop culture. That really is kind of the best way to describe that show. So no matter what you're into, we've got you covered. Yep. Come, geek out with us at my big fat pull list. All right, Jason, enough with the housekeeping. Let us dive straight into how we're surviving 
in a COVID-19 world. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a, a different episode for us, I guess, isn't it? Because we don't, um, normally we like to give you guys kind of a, an overview or almost like an umbrella topic, if you will, that that gives us a, a different kind of structure per episode. You know, we've mm-hmm. done things like lethal listings. We've done things like talk about terrifying. And these are all kind of episode breakdowns for us. But this one is a little different because, because well, we're in a very different situation <laughs> right now. Right. In fact, at this moment, you and I are not even in the same room oh, no. with each other. Obviously, we are we are practicing our social distancing here in mm-hmm. this, this strange, weird, new COVID-19 world. But um, yeah, so this is going to be a kind of a different episode for us. It's just kind of, uh, you know, just a survival, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So bear with us, folks. It's not as structured yeah. <laughs> as most of our episodes usually are. It's new territory for us as well, so. Right. Uh, what we really want to do is just want to uh, kind of share with you what we've been up to since the country was uh, essentially shut down. Right. Uh, when we were all told to shelter in place and practice self-distancing and everything else like that. Uh, For some, it's been rough. For others, like, well, definitely for me, I've been practicing social distancing for years. So this is nothing new to me. And a lot of your work prior to the shutdown was almost entirely home-based work anyway. Right. So other than a couple of film gigs that you and I may have had scheduled that that now have, you know, been either postponed or fallen through, it really hasn't affected your usual day-to-day. Uh, I think you, you've had more effect in other aspects. But yeah, the, the, the shutting down of everything really hasn't changed your normal day-to-day, at least yeah. not so much as it has to others. Right, right. The only thing that uh, it's really done to me is I can't get new comic books and I can't go to the movies to see anything new that's coming out. Sure. I would have to spend the it, it the money on the uh, on-demand stuff if I really wanted to see a movie, but uh, I, I don't know if I really want to pay $20. Yeah. You know, I hear Invisible Man is really good. But I might just wait until it uh, arrives on DVD or Blu-ray. Well, and you know, we've kind of thought about that too. Uh, my wife and I talking about Invisible Man and a few other things that that went straight to the uh, video on demand options because of all of this. And you know, you figure going to a regular movie between the two of us, we probably would spend anywhere from sixteen, seventeen, maybe even twenty-three or twenty-four dollars just for tickets to go to the movie for the two of us, and then plus popcorn and everything on top of it. So, you know, if you figure you're you're paying $20 for one of us, or for one household, rather, and we get all of our food and everything that's just here, and we don't have to pay for that, it's actually not a bad deal. But yeah, I don't know. There is something about it. There's some sort of a, a weird stigma of, well, I don't want to pay for that. You know, I'll pay for it to see it on the big screen, but I, I don't want to pay for that here. It's weird. It's got to be a it's, sure thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I, I will pay the money. I have no problem paying the money if it's a sure thing. If it's something that I know I'm going to like. Well, and the other thing, too, I've noticed is that after a little while, some of these uh, films that have now jumped straight to video on demand or digital options, they will reduce in price to about $14. Hmm. And so I know that that's something that we've kind of been waiting on. We thought, well, you know, 
if we're not going to see it on a big screen, but you know, we want to essentially support the film in some way. Right. Yeah, sure. We'll wait for it to drop to 12 or $14. And then it's only, then it's like buying two $6 tickets or, or two $7 tickets. That doesn't seem as bad to me as it does, you know, paying $20 for a movie that you watch at home. So I, I, I've kind of thought, well, maybe we'll wait till Invisible Man drops down in price a little bit, and then then we'll maybe rent it and get it. Not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. My thing is, is that I've just been too busy. Both uh, my yeah. wife and I have just been too busy during this time. Uh, so before the shutdown, we were actually shopping around for houses, and we were in the process of closing on a house. And you know, closing on a house can take quite a few weeks, if not, you know, a month and a half. Now, luckily enough, we had some really great people working for us and they made it go as fast as possible. So it was about one month before we closed on the house. And the funny thing about it is, is that as soon as we started the process of closing, that's when everything started going topsy-turvy. And of course. things went from, oh, well, we better keep an eye on this to, uh, oh, shit, this is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you can't really back out of a contract once you've started it because there can be legal reprisals. Right. And we, we really didn't have any kind of choice. It was like, okay, well, we started this. We have to finish this and we have to move. And that's what we did. We've been in our new home for two weeks as of today, two weeks. And we have been slowly but surely unpacking and organizing the house. Now, my wife, she she's a nurse, so she is a frontline worker. And in her hospital, they have COVID-19 patients. On her floor, they have COVID-19 patients. So, you know, every day she goes off and, you know, the, I've got that worry in me of like, sure. oh, well, is she going to be okay? And when she comes home, are we going to be okay? Sure. Now, I'm not as worried as I was in the beginning because I know the precautions that they take. I know what she does to lessen my risk when she comes home. So it's kind of more become a routine than a worry. But uh, but yeah, that's what we've been doing. We've been moving and unpacking. Sure, and, yeah. And during the downtimes, I've uh, I've been rewatching a lot of horror movies, kind of uh, kind of the old favorites or or I should say even some of the new favorites uh, because most of my stuff is packed up. I I only pulled out a stack of things that I could uh, pop into the uh, DVD player. Uh, I've rewatched the uh, Kaiju movies, the new stuff, The uh, but I've watched them in chronological order. Oh, So okay. I watched Kong, and then I watched Godzilla, yeah. and then I watched King of the Monsters. And I've got a handful of uh, movies that I still haven't seen yet sitting there waiting for me to watch. Uh, I, I brought along Bubba Hotep, because mm. I enjoy watching that at, it, it, at any point in time. It's always great to see Bruce... Campbell as elderly Elvis. I never get I never get tired of that film. Well, it's always good to see Bruce Campbell. Period. Period. A- end yeah. of statement. Yeah. Right. I've binged a couple of shows. I watched uh, the first season of Picard, mm-hmm. yep, which I, I thoroughly too. enjoyed. I absolutely enjoyed. loved it. Yes. And then I am in the process of uh, rewatching uh, the animated series Archer. Oh yeah. Uh, unfortunately, because of the COVID nineteen outbreak. Uh, season 11, which was due to premiere, I, I want to say in May, has now been postponed. Unfortunately, there's there's that, but I can 
I can wait. I, I've learned, because of this shutdown, I have learned to be a very, well, a more patient man than I was before. I'm not, I don't really have a lot of patience, but I've learned to have some because of this situation that we're in now. Well, and I think that that's something that, you know, just naturally comes out of a situation like this. I mean, you know, the whole, the whole world is changing and I don't just mean in, you know, your basic medical response and and how we look at uh, the insane, ridiculous healthcare system that we sort of have in this country. That's awful. But so I, I don't mean just that, but I just mean in everything it's, it's altering the way many things are done, you know, the way films get released is, is changing comic books. You mentioned before that have stopped coming out for a while, but now they are going to start up again soon with many publishers doing direct shipping. So we're seeing a a change in the way comics are shipped, which affects the entire comic book industry and sports and, and education and everything is changing because of this COVID-19. So it, it it only stands to reason that throughout all of that, we as people, both as individuals and as a society, will also change in in some aspects. I don't well, know how better. you feel, but for for me, being more patient or learning how to be more patient on whatever level uh, can only be a good thing. <laughs> right, right. I'm not a doom prepper, you know, I'm not wrapping myself in saran wrap to leave the house. Uh, Well, if I was a doom prepper, I wouldn't leave the house at all. Right. And I very rarely leave the house, Uh, but I'm also not one of those people that, oh, well, you know, eh, the flu kills more people than this every year. I'm I'm there in the middle. Well, I think before everything shut down. You and I had a discussion about this and we both said, you know, yeah, this is not Captain Trips or anything. And we're not, uh, you know, we're not on the edge of Robert Kirkman walking dead territory or anything (laughs) here, but, but at the same time, it's also nothing to scoff at, you know? And I think that, that that's important to, to understand that, Yes, it's serious. And yes, maybe it alters, like you said, the way shopping is done. You know, maybe you don't have to both go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Many stores don't want you both going, you know, they only want one person per household anyway. Right. So, um, you know, but I hate standing in line. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, maybe uh, maybe this this helps with that. But that doesn't mean that it's it's either extreme. Now, of course, if we keep on ignoring the fact that it is an issue, it could turn into an extreme. It could, and we've could. seen we've seen that in different countries around mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Italy is one of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm keeping a level head. I'm being smart, but I'm not running scared. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think the the best way to do it. And you know what I. I don't know why my mind works this way, but it it does. I seem to have this kind of weird fighting fire with fire kind of mentality when it comes to this. Yeah. When, uh, when the shelter in place order came for us here in, in, in our city, we, um, you know, the very first thing that I wanted to do, I sat down that night and I started over with the walking dead from the beginning. 
you know, and I remember mentioning it to, uh, to my wife saying, you know, she was going to go to bed and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to sit up and, and watch this. And she goes, really? With everything going on, you, you, you're going to watch this. Isn't that a little too close to home? And I was like, well, I, you know, no, actually I kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, this is kind of where my mind is at. And I, I'm into season two now at this point, but, um, yeah, you know, it's just, I, I've been watching a lot of that kind of stuff during all of this. And it, I don't know, for me, it's, it's oddly calming for some reason. <laughs> because for you, you're seeing the worst case scenario. I, I am. Yeah. And it's not what we're living in. That's right. We're not living <laughs> That's that. That's true. I, and I have to say this, I have been preparing, not physically, more mentally and and through video games uh, i have been preparing my entire life to fight a zombie apocalypse oh yeah oh yeah my trunk o doom i was just has, gonna mention the trunk yep <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll put a i'll put a uh, a picture up on our social media uh my our first christmas together before she was my wife back when she was just my girlfriend uh got me this giant trunk and it's filled with seeds and maps lighters <laughs> match waterproof matches just everything she, she literally took my zombie survival guide book that i had oh the max brooks book the max brooks book <laughs> and she created the kit that he suggests making including filling the inside lid with pictures of things that I love. So my friends, my family, mm. comic book characters, movie characters, things like that. Well, the prize, the, my prize possession inside the Trunk of Doom is an industrial strength crowbar, who I've named Winona. <laughs> and I have been waiting to use Winona against a zombie horde. But uh, sadly, this uh, this is not that type of an apocalypse. No, no. So Winona remains in the Trunk of Doom, but she's never far away. Well, and yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, for people like us who are so big into the the zombie film uh, in general, plus you know, multitude of other kinds of pseudo apocalyptic outbreak films. Yeah, we've kind of been been thinking this way for a long time. So yeah, so that does kind of make sense to to sit there and watch. Walking Dead because it's a worst case scenario. I didn't think of it that way, but um, yeah, there's been it could a lot be of, worse. Yeah, it could be worse. Well, there's <laughs> been a lot of other stuff too. You know, I mean that what, I did not intentionally watch for outbreak reasons, but um, as you know, I was a, a massive Supernatural fan for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and still really do love the show and the characters. But I fell out of the show somewhere uh, in the middle of uh, early, early to mid season 11. Mm. And, um, you know, I had just kind of I had watched the first five seasons, I think, six times straight through and kept watching the show. And I think I probably just kind of burnt myself out after a little while. But, um, you know, I've been using a lot of this time while I'm working on other projects and things. And I put supernatural on in the background and i've been trying to get caught up well that's all fine and good and in my mind it was like hey i've got time to watch the horror show that i wasn't able to get through before right i'll do it well it's supernatural so inevitably there are episodes that deal with various different kinds of outbreaks and (laughs) you know the dead biting the living and turning you know and, and so 
inadvertently, I didn't intend to watch something that something else that dealt with uh, kind of end of the world scenarios. But inadvertently, even then, that kind of has gone into it because that's what Sam and Dean do, I guess. Um, <laughs> and it, it is oddly comforting to to kind of immerse immerse yourself in well in horror in general which is i think probably a big draw for horror even when you're not trying to survive a pandemic well and that's what people who don't enjoy horror films or the horror genre in general they don't understand why somebody else would want to watch that yeah and there has to be something wrong with us because we like horror movies no there's nothing wrong with us I've said this time and time again, most, if not all, horror fans are film fans. Mm -hmm. They just prefer Mm -hmm. horror above all the other genres. Right. I love all types of film. I gravitate towards horror. Right. Whether it be, you know, very high intellectual or completely lowbrow. Right. It doesn't matter. It all just depends on... Uh, my my mood, my the, the my frame of mind, and for us horror fans, shit bad out there. We want to watch something that makes us feel better. So while other people will watch a rom com and feel better, or they'll watch a hard hitting drama and feel better, we'll watch zombies ripping people apart to feel better. Sure, because it's worse than what we're dealing with in reality. It exactly. is still a form of fantasy. And, uh, you know, I've, I've actually uh, gone on a tear watching all kinds of horror films during this break. I, I kind of went a few months without watching a horror film at all for a while there and through no conscious choice. But then when this hit, I've just kind of been plowing through horror films of various different levels of quality, everything from you know, brilliant masterpieces like, you know, the James Wan stuff or the classic stuff, Hammer and Universal stuff, all the way to the schlocky, stupid stuff like Ginger Dead Man. You know, (laughs) I mean, I've been, I've just been powering through so much of it. And it doesn't matter whether the quality of it is a super high intense quality, perfect film or not. If it's a horror film, inevitably, no matter what is going on, it is still worse than whatever it is that you're in the middle of, I would say maybe 90% of the time. Yeah. So it, it, it is kind of this oddly comforting feeling, even though it's incredibly intense in some cases. And now for you, for somebody who had so many plates spinning when mm-hmm. the world was normal, mm-hmm. you had so many plates spinning at one time, that uh, you constantly found yourself, for a be- lack of a better term, dropping the ball mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on certain things. Yeah. How are you dealing with having all of this time now? Well, like many people, I've been furloughed from my job because I've been deemed non-essential, mm-hmm. uh, which I-, I agree with. I, my, my job was not essential. So like many people, I have found myself with an insane amount of time what I found was that I was so used to getting up and going to work that now that I don't have to, it isn't a problem structuring my day so much as it is a problem 
finding that urgency to get up and get the day started. Mm -hmm. So it took me uh, a little bit to kind of figure that out. Once I did, though, once I kind of found a groove, this has actually been great for somebody like me who had so much going (laughs) on because uh, I've gotten so many of these spinning plates taken care of and am close to finishing a, a few major projects that I wouldn't have otherwise had the time to take care of. And to know that I can do all of this, and yet when this is all said and done, still have a job to go back to and still be okay financially through it to a certain extent, yeah, it's it's really reassuring and helpful. And what has happened as a result is I, I think I've actually ended up becoming busier now than I was before (laughs) before everything shut down you know I'm getting so much drawing done for many of you out there who don't realize I I am a I I wouldn't call myself an amateur artist but I'm also not necessarily a professional artist if there's a if there's a, a level in between that's what I am and I've been able to update a lot of my my deviant art stuff which I haven't touched my deviant art page in forever Hell, so, I didn't even know you had a deviant art. See, page. there you go. That's how long it's been since I've. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you well, know, you'll I've... have to send me. You'll have to send me a link to it so I can put it in the show notes because I'm sure the rest of our audience wants to take a look at your art. Absolutely, absolutely, I will. In fact, um, you know, most of the stuff that's on there is is comic book related and superheroes and that. But I do think I have a. I want to say I have a drawing of Ash that I I put up on there from Evil Dead. An Army of Darkness fame. I remember that one. Yeah, I think I think that's on there. But um, I've been updating that and doing a lot of drawing and finishing some art projects that I had started and hadn't gotten around to finishing. For many of you who know or don't know, Nick and I have both been developing a fan film for the better part of a year now based on the Mighty Crusaders, which are the Archie superheroes. This is the first fan film that these characters have ever been developed for so i've been using a lot of this time to work on the costume pieces for that and and get that together so you know stuff like that there's a there's a war film that i shot many years ago while i was living in la that i've been in post-production on it isn't an overly difficult film to put together i mean there's obviously some effects and and what have you but but it is a full-length feature film and that takes time right which i have not had well now I have, and, and I'm actually getting that finished. So I'm finding that I'm I'm much much busier now than I was before. But it it feels more structured at the same time. For creative types like us, time management is always a, yeah. a huge issue, especially when you have to have the regular job that pays the bills, yes, right? And then you do the creative stuff on the side to either make a little money or just make sure that you don't go crazy. That's right. Yeah. And now that you have moved and, you know, you guys are getting settled in your, your new home, you know, I assume that, that this is just going to pick up even more. <laughs> We're just going to do more because, you know, we've got all day and night now. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, and through, through the miraculous invention of the internet and things like zoom and, FaceTime and what have you, um, it's incredibly easy to connect, which does help make this whole experience 
so much better. You know, everybody keeps comparing it to either on a humorous extreme to something like a zombie apocalypse or on a realistic end, like the flu of 1918. And I can certainly see the comparisons and, and why those things keep coming up. But but this is so much different. And in some ways, I think somewhat easier than both scenarios, because in a zombie outbreak, it, you know, what happens that the grids always shut down, everybody loses right. power. Yeah. Inevitably. Everything, it, everything's yeah. gone. Everything's gone. Well, we don't have that. And in 1918, they didn't have grids or if they did they were very minimal you know um so there wasn't any of that to begin with and here we are in the same situation and we've got this you know this wonderful tool at our disposal which makes things much easier to deal with it does it does but we want to know how are you surviving in this covid19 world uh do you finally have the time to get some projects done are you Rewatching an old show or a bunch of old movies that you haven't had time to get to? Let us know by heading over to our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com and let us know how things are going for you. Now we're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back to the show, we've got a great game we're going to play. We're actually going to reveal our favorite Outbreak movie right after this. Everyone knows you'll spend at least double the time you use to create the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor, the gotta get it right factor, and well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and are ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Do it. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing the Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Welcome back to Two Guys Talking Horror, Surviving in a COVID-19 world. 
Uh, well, we've covered what we've been doing to survive during shelter-in-place and self-distancing, and now it's time for something a little bit more fun. That's right. We're going to talk about some movies, folks. Our favorite Outbreak-esque movie picks. Now, when we came up with this game, this, this fun little game to play, we had to actually narrow things down by adding some rules because there are a lot of films out there that deal in some way or another about outbreaks. Now, most of them, of course, are zombie films. Yeah. And who doesn't love a good zombie film? Well, who doesn't love a bad zombie film? I was going to say, yeah, does it have to be good? No, it doesn't have to be good. It has to be enjoyable. That's right. Because I've seen some bad, unenjoyable zombie films before. And those are just absolute stinkers. So what we decided to do is since we couldn't get rid of the zombies completely, we decided, well, we'll just have two picks. One non-zombie movie pick, and then one zombie pick. And because we wanted to keep it fair, and we both worship at the altar of Romero, Mm -hmm. no Romero picks will be in our zombie selections. That's right. Or Romero-esque films, such as Shaun of the Dead. Right, which is very much a, a... Yeah, it's a love letter to Romero. It really is. Yeah. So I'll go first. All right. My non-zombie pick for uh, my Outbreak movie has got to be Last Man on Earth. Okay. Starring Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah. Based off of the book I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. I Am Legend is probably... It's definitely in my top five of all-time favorite books, period. I was just going to say, you've read that, correct? Oh, I've read it several times. Okay. There's actually an episode of The Versus Machine on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network where I take the book and take the film I Am Legend starring Will Smith and compare the two, and they are drastically different. And I'll make sure we... yeah. I'll make sure that there's a link to that episode of the Versus Machine in the show notes for this episode at our website. Mm -hmm. Out of all of the films that have been made based off of I Am Legend, Last Man on Earth is the closest interpretation. It's kind of a slow film. If you're not familiar with the book I Am Legend, it is about a virus that starts infecting the world and depending on how you were infected and if you died or not, changes you. If you die while you're infected with the the virus, you come back to life as a vampiric zombie-like creature. You're not out for flesh or for brains. You're out for blood. Hmm. So in a sense, you are a vampire. The interesting thing about the book is, is that there are some people that were infected with the virus and lived. It it just changed them, and they start a new society. But all the while, you've got your your main character, Robert Neville, going out during the day and staking and butchering these creatures because, in his mind, they're the monsters. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of the story is he discovers, at the end, he's the boogeyman. He's the monster. This new society has risen up and left him behind, 
because he's not like them. And he has become the thing that they whisper about in the dark. Mm. He has become legend. That's the whole frickin' point of the damn story. You don't get that in the Will Smith film. No, you really, that really does not come across. But you do get that in Last Man on Earth. Now, of course, there is another film based off of Richard Matheson's novel, uh, (laughs) The Omega Man, (laughs) Stein, Charlton, Heston. Again, makes it more heroic. Right, right. And it is a huge departure from the source material. Yes. Uh, Fun movie. Very fun. Very fun movie. But uh, when it comes to something uh, closer to the actual source material, I'm going to go with Last Man on Earth. Jason, Mm. what's your non-zombie outbreak movie pick? I looked at a bunch of different options, and I obviously we could have easily gone with uh, something that you and I both have argued about many times before, the idea that... 28 Days Later is technically not a zombie film because they're not really zombies. It's more of an infection. Yes, because um, they're so, not dead. Because they're not dead, right. You know, so there are many different options. But odd, oddly enough, I decided to actually go with something that's more of a sci-fi film. And it has some horror elements in the way the film is shot at times, but mm-hmm. it's really more of a sci-fi film. 12 Monkeys. Oh. As my outbreak plague movie, if you will. One of my favorite Brad Pitt performances. Yes, yes, mine mine too. One of my favorite films, you know, of all time, actually. The film left such a huge mark on me when it first came out in the 90s. I was in high school, and I, I just remember having just discovered Terry Gilliam. Yeah. I don't know, maybe a year or two before this came out. So this was the first Terry Gilliam film I saw in the theater. Mm, okay. uh, it was the first one that I kind of really latched onto in my pseudo adult life. Like I said, I was, I think, 15, 16, something like that, somewhere in that yeah. area. And I just, I just love it. I, it's so quirky and weird and so Terry Gilliam. And I remember at that age being very confused by what does the 12 monkeys have to do with whatever disease this is that got out and and what did it all and and you know for the for the four people that are listening who have not seen it i i won't spoil it (laughs) um but it it is an amazing ending that is both mind-blowing and just terrifying especially in light of what's going on right now yeah. Very much has the feel of the end credit sequence for the new Rise of the Planet of the Apes movie, where the the virus spreads uh, throughout the credits from country to country because of the yeah. plane that's taken off. It, it has that feel at the end of Twelve Monkeys, and in light of of current events, that's that's pretty terrifying. But gosh, it, the movie just—I never get tired of it. I never get tired of the soundtrack one of the best scores of a science fiction film I've ever heard. One of the few films that actually shows that uh, Bruce Willis can act. Yes. And not yes. be Bruce Willis. Yes. Yeah. A very un Bruce Willis type of role. You know, back when he actually cared about acting. Yes. And getting a paycheck. And I'm a huge, huge fan of Madeline Stowe. Mm, I've been yeah. a, I've been a big fan of hers. I was introduced to her 
with the last of the Mohicans from what is that 91 92 somewhere around there yeah something like that and I've been a big fan of hers ever since so you know it I mean it's just it's really as much as a time travel film can be because time travel films always have holes in them no matter how good they are <laughs> right. uh, as as much as a time travel movie can be I think it's damn near perfect or at least as perfect as a film like that can get. Mm. So those are our uh, two non-zombie films, but we've picked two other films too that are that are zombie films. So Nick, what what's your what's your pick for a legit zombie film? Keeping in mind the rules of our game. Right. No Romero or Romero like. Right. I wanted to go highbrow mm-hmm. and and seem very sophisticated in my pick. Unfortunately, there's a handful of zombie films I still haven't been able to get around to. Mm. But since the unpacking is uh, getting to a plateau, I do plan on watching a handful of these films I haven't seen yet. And uh, we'll probably end up doing maybe some uh, cut the crap movie reviews. So instead of going zombie comedy instead Mm. of going too serious i i picked the middle of the road i picked yes i picked a safe pick because there's going to be a lot of people out there that absolutely love this movie just as much as i do i picked return of the living dead Ooh, ooh! i almost went with that i almost picked that myself it's Um. one of those films that you just it's just fun yeah. Even though things end in a completely bleak way, it is a fun film filled with fun characters and some great gross out effects. Yeah. And a film that uh ironically that you and I have been quoting for nearly two decades now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anytime any one of us uh if there's a question out in the air, if one of us asks it, uh, the other one will usually pick up with, not a bad question, Bert. Not a bad question, Bert. <laughs> uh, makes me laugh even now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Save us from the safety of my my safe quarantine pick okay. of Return to the Living Dead. What is your zombie quarantine outbreak movie pick? Well, uh, you know, I think my pick will be maybe a little controversial to some people, because no. I'm sure some people will think, why is he picking that film? It's nowhere near the best zombie film. And I'm not saying this is the best zombie film. I'm saying it's a zombie film that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, I pick World War Z. Our friendship is over. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. I'm uh, kidding. I'm kidding. Well, you you and I are both huge fans of Max Brooks, and we both love the book, World War II. Yes. I avoided this movie for a while because I had read enough about it, I had heard enough about it, and it wasn't the book. Yeah, at all. And At all, yeah. And I always said, well, it just sounds like another zombie movie to me, just with a, a souped-up budget. And then my wife, who you know I've, I've mentioned on this show before, is not a huge horror fan, ironically that's one movie that she had seen that i had not and she really enjoyed it she liked it she's the one who talked me into buying it buying a copy and and watching it and giving it a shot 
So I did, and I've watched it two or three times now, and most recently, just a couple weeks ago, in fact, as a movie on its own. And that's the only reason I'm talking about it now, because as an adaptation, it is horrendous. Oh, yeah. As an adaptation, it couldn't couldn't be worse. But as a film on its own, it's actually really pretty good. There's some good moments in it. There's some... Uh, for the most part, pretty good effects. A couple of times where things are just a little too digital for my taste, but right, right. Um, you know, especially with the zombies crawling up all over each other in close-up. Now, in the wide shots, it's it's not as bad, but in the close-ups, it, it's a little noticeable that it's CG. But yeah, overall, I just find it to be a pretty enjoyable film. And what I like the most about it is that it really takes it seriously and i don't mean like in the sense that it takes this is how a zombie outbreak would happen i don't mean that although there are aspects of that in there what i mean is that it takes every moment that occurs in the film seriously as opposed to doing any tongue-in-cheek inside jokes that you find in i won't say every zombie film but in a good portion of them even Romero's films have their lighter moments like that. This doesn't really have that. This is really a studio tentpole version of a zombie film. And I think when you watch it that way, it's actually really quite enjoyable. Yeah, if you don't you know, call it World War Z. If you don't call it World, that's the biggest issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and once you get over the fact that it's called World War Z... I take away and just call it Brad Pitt versus the zombies. Yeah, which would have been a fine title. <laughs> it's it is a fun flick. Yeah. My problem is is that at the time before we were in the age of well, we made a movie and it didn't work. Two years later, oh, let's remake it because mm. this came out just before all that stuff happened. For me, mm -hmm. when I think of World War Z trying to do an adaptation of that book, I think you've got to go to cable. You got to go someplace like HBO, mm -hmm. and you've got to do it Band of Brothers style, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where it's like seven or eight hour and a half long episodes about a war, yeah, between humanity and the undead. And the thing that I love so much about the book that you, you don't really get so much in the film. I mean, they they kind of tried aspects of it, but. I'm a big fan of the essayist and journalist Studs Terkel, and most notably his book Working, in which he literally just went around the country interviewing people about their jobs mm. and what they do for a living. He took these stories and took these people's actual words and created this, this book of essentially essays of people talking about what they do from day to day in life. Right. which ended up making a, a wonderful musical that I've done a couple of times that I've been lucky enough to be in. And it's just a really interesting and fascinating book. What I love about the book World War Z is it's the same approach. It's an interviewer going around and having people essentially, and not, not that he doesn't know he was there, he knows, but essentially right. having people retell the history of what occurred over the years with this zombie outbreak in 
interview fashion, just like a Studs Terkel book would, which takes the whole concept more seriously. In fact, I think the subtitle of the book is something like an oral history of the zombie outbreak or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I think, something that can very easily translate to the format that you're talking about, you know, the, the, that kind of television idea, because you could take each segment of the book and break it up into about two episodes. And each episode could be two different people. You could get two different stories per episode if you want. Yeah. Relating some, and some of the stories that these people tell in the book are just chilling and have stuck with me. Even now, years after after I last read it. World War Z, I Am Legend, and The Exorcist are three books mm. that I read at least once a year. I'll reread those at least once a year. Maybe uh, usually uh, closer to October. Yeah. Yeah. They'll uh they're usually there on the nightstand or on the coffee table throughout the fall months. As my enjoyment, I would like to think that now that I want to say it was Universal mm. that had the rights. I can't remember. That's, that, that could be. That could be. Right, I think yeah. Universal put the movie out, and it was. It wasn't that long ago they announced that the because the sequel was like on the back burner for the longest time, mm. and they just recently released saying like, "Yeah, we're not going forward with the sequel on World War Z 2. Oh, oh, okay. So if that's the case, if they've decided they're not going to go forward, I'm hoping that the rights are available for a company or studio that will take the property and do it justice. Yeah. Because again, like we said, the movie was was good as As long as you weren't a fan of World War Z. And maybe, maybe at some point down the line... Maybe we should, uh, you know, look at comparing those two in more detail. Oh, do a uh, do a versus machine on World War Z. That might be two guys talking horror presents the versus machines. Look at World War Z, the book and the movie. Yeah, yeah, that could be that could be something uh, for you guys to to look forward to. Maybe we'll do that down the line. Well, and that's where we now ask you: What are your favorite outbreak movie picks? Whether it be a zombie film or simply a plague outbreak contagion style film. Let us know by heading over to any one of our social media platforms. Well, there we have it. There we do have it. Our way of surviving in a COVID-19 world. We're not out of the woods yet. Nope. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, and eventually, together, we'll get there. So until next time, folks, I'm Nicholas J. Hearn. And I am Jason Contini. Reminding you, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in the dark. Congratulations. You've survived this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. We hope you were entertained and informed by our program. Take what you have learned and pass it on to your family and friends. It may just save their lives someday. Have questions? Comments? Suggestions for a future episode? 
visit our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side and fill out our short web form. It's the easiest way to interact with the hosts. Beware of monsters, creatures, and all things that go bump in the night. And keep telling yourself, it's only a podcast. It's It's only only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's It's only a a podcast. All right, so uh, this is Two Guys Talking Horror, recording Surviving in a COVID-19 World in three, two, the hell was that? I think that was my stomach. I was waiting for it to settle. (laughs) (laughs) That's why there was a long pause. I was hoping it would stop gurgling. That was that was awesome because it's, it's like, all right, we're going to do a horror episode. Then all of a sudden, there's a monster on the mic. <laughs> well, and it's <laughs> these headsets have a have a mic built in on them. Yeah, and the the microphone where it hangs, it hangs literally right above my stomach. Ah, so um, yeah, so I'll try to hold it out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, here we go.